All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us for another installment of the Lessons from David series. Now, we are on Lesson 10 tonight. Lesson 10. Now, the title of this lesson is, the subtitle is Encourage Yourself in the Lord. Encourage Yourself in the Lord. Now, before I even get into this title, now how many of us have had to do that? <laughs> so this is this is definitely how many times a day? <laughs> so this is definitely a relevant message title tonight for sure. So what we'll do, let's go to Samuel, first chapter. First Samuel, I'm sorry, first Samuel, chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. going to let's start at we'll start at verse one and I'll be coming from the New Living Translation it says three days later when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Amnon, and from Zarel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now... You see a very dire situation here. And you think about what it would be like to be in David's position there. And you're the leader. And you have a group of, of men holding you responsible for losing their wives and children. Now, that's, that's something that'll get you a little discouraged. Okay, but now let's look at this very last portion of verse 6. There's a but. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Yes. Can, can I ask a, like sort of a technical question first? Because you know how all these battles, I'm like, so... Um, they was this one of the ones I was just was asking about the did God, God told them to go do this battle go fight them why were they out fighting them did God tell them to mm -hmm. okay so right 
So they were doing what they were supposed to do, but now they want to blame David. Like somehow it's all his fault. You know, it's like scapegoating. You know what I mean? How does that make any sense? Like from a practical point of view, because we can get scapegoated. You know, people can get scapegoated. Why were they mad at him? If they were doing what they were supposed to do, how was it his fault? That's my question. Because he was the boss. Right. Well, what could he have done? He was out. They were probably saying he should have left some men here to protect the women. They're going to second guess him all the way around, you know, how people are. Just that way. You need a hit of something. Yeah. It all falls on you. The buck stops here, right? I wouldn't say much to give him, much to require. So you take on that leadership role. I know it may not be totally your fault, but at the end of the day, it falls at your feet. Now, Sue was bringing up a very practical challenge, right? Because David, you know, is it really okay for him to take all this blame from these men from what had happened? Because it's not like David is the one who had these the, the wives and the, the children taken away. Right. Right? But just like Gene and Eric said being a leader when things go wrong you carry the responsibility who are they who are people gonna point the finger at yeah whether it's your fault or not they're gonna come to as a leader yeah but you're a team so it could be you know they could use it as a teachable moment like okay they just went into attack mode you know like no this is, you know, so as leader, I would have said that we're not doing that. But they were so emotional, like what they just fell apart, emotionally fell apart. So it was. I can see that. You come home and your kids, your wife team, and kids are not though, there, and some dudes have them, and you don't know what those dudes are doing with them. I mean, I can see you'd be all yeah, of course. But the part about a teachable moment is like we're, you know, so you as the leader have to be the strongest one. You know, because they're going to follow your emotions. And he clearly was, where does it say he was, he fell apart too? Nope. Uh-huh. No. No, it doesn't. But look at that. But see, and this is this is why we're digging into this, right? Because look at that, that very last David line himself in, the Lord. in verse 6. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And in the King James, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Right. But it does say they wept until they could weep no more. So that sounds like David was weeping. Oh, yeah. Because it does say in the very beginning they, of the verse, so, David yeah. was greatly distressed. Yeah. For the people spake of stoning him. Because well, yeah, that, I, mean, I guess I would be stressed at that time of killing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It was human. He did hurt, but right. it's saying, but. He didn't stop there. He went further. And he goes, but. But when he encouraged David himself encouraged. in the Lord, he got an answer pretty quick. So everything started turning around. Right. But I like the idea of when he said something about lacking wisdom, where like using it as a teachable moment to go, you know, like, okay, let's be a team. And then maybe if, maybe I'm the leader, if I made a mistake and he, Gene said, you should have left, you know, like should have, would have, could have. I was like, okay, let's use it. But that's as a how they're going. They're, 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 they're all going to second guess everything again next time. So, right. I'm like, wow, that was interesting. So, 
as the leader, like, you know, just bring the team together and then go, because you can't unmake a mistake. If they had made a mistake, say, well, you should have left some people back. Maybe they should have, but they can't undo that. So all you can do I is I mean, that's why they're blaming the you. They're blaming you because they're saying, yeah. if you did something different, maybe this wouldn't happen. But that's then my, in the end, encourage yourself the Lord, yes. But then I'm like, well, you think you can do better? Go ahead. You know, like at some point, don't you just feel like saying that to people? <clears throat> Not if he's the leader. <laughs> and he knows he is. That's what I'm saying. Now, but... Now you may feel that. Now right. I guarantee that's gonna rise oh, yeah. up in you. Yeah, right. and your yeah. flesh is gonna be like, you take the mantle in. You if you all that, you ask Moses. Yeah. How he responded. I mean, them people were frustrating. Dealing with all these folks complaining, murmuring. Well, at least back in Egypt, we had leeks and, and such and such. Garlic. You know, and garlic. Bad breath. But you was in bondage. <laughs> But they couldn't see that. But I know she said, she said teach What are some practical terms for encourage yourself in the Lord? Today's terms. That's a great <laughs> You talk to yourself. That's a yeah. You talk Remind to yourself. Remind yourself of past victories. Right. You get in the corner and says, Hey, you look in the mirror and says, Look, okay, this is it starts quoting scripture. I can yeah, do all I mean, things through Christ who strengthens This is, a, this is rough that I'm yeah, going through, yeah. but you have to say, okay, we're going to get through this. You got to have a conversation yeah. with yourself yeah. and say, this is bad, but we're going to get through this. We're going to be okay. Yeah, mom and I all the time, we're around the house going like, thank you, Jesus, by your stripes, I was healed, or yeah. I'm free, or whatever. You know, it's, it's yeah, got to say it. Reminding yourself of all the good times, the good, good times, the good things he's did. When it's the worst, when your emotions are running wild, you don't want to hear anything. But salt is how the I was a manager of some car car stores several times, and when somebody would do something really stupid, they come to me and say, "Fire that guy! Let's get rid of him!" And I said, "Uh-uh, let's fix what he did first. We'll fix what he did. And we'll think about it before we do anything." And that's always that was always it always worked out for me. But I know she's talking about teaching my mom, and I, I agree with that, you know. But I think it all depends on the situation because Dave's situation, okay. You say teachable moment, okay. They had no idea what had happened to their wife and children. They could be dead. Oh, they had Satan's putting images in their right. head. You see what's saying? going on? So if I think my, yeah, you know, your wife, wife and your kids dead, are being okay, I'm not thinking about stuff. a teachable moment here. <laughs> I'm thinking about, okay. You want to put your hands on somebody? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I couldn't say that no more. Because you have all that emotions going to be right there, right? Right. And now, see, and this this goes back to a message that Eric preached about emotional maturity, right? Because being able to grab yourself in the midst of stressful, critical situations. That is a vital skill, especially and as a leader, that's that's imperative. Because and the thing about it is too, and I'm I like why you know how Sue kind of put this on the table because this is something that's imperative to us as as far as believers. Because how many times has some big shot, big big name preacher, pastor, bishop gotten into some trouble, fallen? And then people just start to clamor. They start to just, you know, 
dump on the person. So he's wounded, but we're going to kill him now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, they don't wait like five seconds. Now, Christians, before we, they we, wanna we kill our wounded and our sick. We, we go after them and kill them. Yeah. That's right. true. Now, that's the exact opposite of being encouraged. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing about it is, it goes back to think about what Paul said about the body of Christ. We're the body. Mm-hmm. Now, a natural body, if it's weak in a certain area, another area is going to overcompensate mm-hmm. for that weakness to, to, to try to continue to function, right? So how dysfunctional is it for a body part to fail or to be injured or to have to be damaged and to attack it? But that's what happens. And see, we see something real critical here with David. Because that, that could have been a, a, a perfect time if his flesh wanted to rise up. I'm like, oh, y'all, y'all talking about stoning me? Okay, I got something for you. And he was a man that could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Whoa, right. He was a bad man. So he was a warrior. So, yeah, he was. so if y'all going to stone me, I'm taking a, as, much, as many as y'all out with me. As I can. So don't, you know, don't tell me his flesh wasn't talking to him oh, yeah. in that moment. Yeah, we all yeah. It. <clears throat> yeah. But David encouraged himself but, in the Lord his God. But it seemed like he didn't have one friend. Nobody was on his side at all. Eagles flying. At that moment. I was going to say, at that moment. But once they begin to calm, and things begin to calm, they begin begin to strengthen again. It's just everybody was living in their emotions. Right. Their wives and their children were gone. And they they have, you know, we always have to try to find a scapegoat. You did it. Exactly. Why did you do this to us? Mm -hmm. And then as they calm down, they go, oh, he didn't do this. Yeah, he didn't do this. He's he's just as bad as we are. What are we saying? He's lost everything too. Yeah, of course you You don't care about knowing, but you're so yeah, that's your children. Good point. Yeah, he said, "Where's my children? What is happening to them? My wives are they ravishing my my wife or wives? My, are they hurting my children? Have they you know? And you all you can think is shoot at it until they begin to. If he had just said that, encouraged himself more. He would have been. It would have been chaos, but because he began to calm and go, okay, you are still God. You are this. You are this. Mm-hmm. Whatever he was saying, and began to bring something. Because he's bad. Maybe God was encouraging him too, like David when he prayed. It's like, trust me, son. It's okay. It's they're they're upset like you are. They're just taking it out on you. It's not you, you know. And God was like, is it you? That's right. Yeah. Like he's a man, man. He, he's a man, man too. It's like. You, I have children too. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it. Yeah, he did that. Right. And like you said, God was one. Right. And God's like, shh, just trust me. And they started remembering. Right. A major thing I've learned is that you can be 100% in God's will, and that does not mean that everything goes beautifully. That's right. In fact, if it does, you're probably not in His will. Because when you're in His will, that's when the enemy comes. Because this all worked out well. If, if sometimes if we could sit back and not rush to judgment, even though it looks bad, if you know your God, 
you know there's more to this than and that he can he can recompense for what's happened. But I think people just right away, as soon as something bad starts, they're not looking at the whole picture, they're not thinking about God's character. You do have to step back and and know that he can turn things around and that's his desire. And you can be perfectly in his will. And we're so quick when things don't go right, we're so quick to point a finger at somebody and say, Well, you must have sin in your life, or you you must not hurt God. And it's not that at all. A person can be absolutely in God's will. So you said something important because I've experienced that. And people, like you said, when people look at something that's not going right, and you say, God told me to do this. Exactly. And it goes south. That's the story of my life. Right. And it goes south, and everybody's like, well, okay. I thought you said God told you to do this. God can't told you that because, you know, we have this perception that, hey, yeah, if it's God is in it, it's going to. You know, it's going to go smoothly. It's just like that right. Out. Everything is going, you know, go peachy keen. And so, right. So, but, right. When people, you tell people God too, like, nah, that can't be God because it wouldn't go this way if he was in it. And I learned, like, okay, wait a minute. You know, then you begin to question yourself. Like, okay, did I hear him right? Mm-hmm. And what David did is exactly the thing to do. You know, start praising him in the midst of when it looks Horrible, and you don't understand why things went that and way. Just remember everything you did for before. Start praising him, and that will turn See, things around. See, that would happen when you had you started after you could calm. You go, but then mm-hmm. you told me this. Right. I remember you. You did this before, and mm-hmm. you began to be strengthened. And you go, I don't care what they said. I know what you told me. It doesn't yeah. look right at the moment, but I know what you told. And I'm going to hold on to that. I don't care what else, whatever I see or hear, day smell, whatever, all of it. That's when you, you know, it's, you have to stand. When you've done all to stand, stand. Yeah, but if you, you don't have, if you have some level of maturity, maturity oh, yeah. you're going to go with whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, you with know, you, you, right. you, we, 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 saying. we know where it is. You, it's, you learn, you got to, no matter what you stand, you learn to stand. <clears throat> But sometimes people don't stand. People be like, "Okay, well, maybe I didn't." They tend to they tend to believe what everybody else is saying. The critics are saying and said, "You know what?" Yeah. And then they what they said, "You know what? I ain't do it no more." Or, oh, you know, yeah. just begin to back off what God says. And you find out real quickly who your friends are. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you're going through those dark places, and mm-hmm. you know you're in God's will. Mm-hmm. And they turn on you or they don't support you because they don't understand. Mm-hmm. I've heard of testimonies one a long time ago before we even heard of Andrew's ministry, Andrew Mike's ministry and stuff, but it was actually through Kenneth Copeland. I think it was a healing testimony. Mom knows I'm talking about it. It was an older, old, older gentleman and the wife. He had got cancer on his neck and she noticed it one morning he was shaving and they still stayed like 18 year old. She would watch him shave in the morning. It was a really good story. They really loved each other, married for years. And she was just like she screams and he he you know he sees it anyway. They he really felt to believe first healing just you know without any doctors help. They went to the doctor a little bit. They said some stuff, but he's like, either God's going to heal me, so I'm going home. He was at peace with it. He was not he was like get healed. Um, that's a good he thing. He wasn't stressed. Was nothing. Thing. She was a little more struggling. Him what was it? Him. She said that um, he was like. Tarzan, Tarzan swinging, swinging. from she was chopping the However, that's what he wanted stuff. to do, right? And he was just going. And they have friends. They they love you know they love them, but they had to get away from him because 
they would talk faith really heavy, and they'd go, well, that's good, but how is he really doing? That yes. get away from people like that. And it was the being that he'll completely run away. They would say, they'd get her. But they yeah. have to do that. Tell us mm-hmm. how he really is. Yeah. And she goes, uh, that's how it is. That's how it is. <laughs> you know? Seal. But yeah, no, he completely right. How is it really? Right. They won't know. They had to make a stand kind of. They had, they there was some negativity. He definitely did, and he was healed. Okay. Okay. Now, just thinking about it, everything that everybody's saying, let's look at verse 7. All right. It says, And David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. All right, so the ephod. The fine ephod, what, what are we talking about? Man, priestly garment, yes. shoulder cape, mantle. That had the stones on them and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, David is posturing himself to intercede for the people. And to hear something from God. Yeah, to hear and inquire of the Lord. And you'll see this in verse eight says, and David inquired at the Lord Mm -hmm. saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Mm -hmm. Now see, the enemy puts the pressure on in the beginning, their the initial response to his attack. David's reaction is going to tell the story on whether God's will is fulfilled in this situation or whether the enemy gets a, wins a battle, right? But you see what David does. He inquires of the priest to get the ephod, to put himself in a position to hear from God and to go before the before God for on behalf of the people. He's not allowing himself to get emotionally caught up in what these folks are saying. Because how difficult is it? You 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 gonna intercede for some folk that's talking about killing you. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna get with you. You can do what? Your flesh, I mean, I'm telling you, your flesh is like, you know, he's ready to pull out his sword. I'm like, look, I bought I commissioned you to this army. And you got the nerve to buck at me. Again, that's a temptation for the flesh. But see, David, in this situation. He, his, his, he's, he's not submitting to the flesh in response to the people. He's allowing the spirit to lead him to inquiring of the Lord about this situation. And we know that wasn't his nature all the time. Because there, there are times he turns back on God and did his own thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And one thing I learned, this is one that the time in situations like this, you have to stand on you being made righteous. Because mm-hmm. yeah. when everybody's about to stone you, man, everybody's criticizing you, what was the enemy attacking? Your righteous stance. Mm-hmm. 
he attacking your rocket stance. You ain't good enough. See what you did. Mm-hmm. Look how many, look at what you messed up. You know what? You'll never get another chance. They buy the stone you. You have to, I believe David was encouraging himself, okay, you know what I am. From I'm looking for me. Grace, I'm righteous to God. You know what? I know I made a mistake, but you know what? I'm still righteous. And so I think that's where the enemy attacked when we're in situations like this. And Christians are so fast. We had a deacon at the church I was in, New Jersey. And uh, the rumor got around that he was an alcoholic. Well, what happened was the pastor sent him to a liquor store. Because in New Jersey, you can't buy beer or wine or anything. You have to go to a liquor store to buy that stuff. So to buy communion wine, you had to go to the liquor store. Somebody saw him coming out of the liquor store with packages, and the word got around he was alcoholic. Oh, he was buying out. He was buying wine for the church. That's just terrible. But I mean, that's how fast we jump on things and run with them without knowing. And the guy was the, the head deacon. I, I used to every time I'd see him, I'd say, I'd say "How you doing, you old drunk?" <laughs> he'd, say, he'd say, "Go on now." <laughs> that's funny. So I knew that one. And, and but that's a prime example of 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 walking in the in the opposite of love, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because when you look at First Corinthians thirteen, a part of love is believing the best of mm-hmm. every person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Not not being gullible, right? But believing the best yeah. of every person. But again, I see the deacon getting walking out of the liquor store. Thinking the, the worst is, oh, with, look at that. With a big package. Because mm-hmm. we had 350 people. So yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, you, you look at that and it's like, oh, okay. Deacon, Deacon getting it in, ain't it? Okay. I, 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 I thought he was old, drunk. He gets on the telephone. Mm-hmm. Did you know of, so-and-so goes to that liquor store? Mm-hmm. Ain't no bunch of hypocrites in them church. Saw, such and such, such and such. I saw him. I thought it was bad. There's some wine in it. He ain't just drinking. And I asked him, oh, that's yours? Ain't the novel. But, I mean, I had to ask him, Bert. No, what did I say? I said something. I said. Yeah, you said, I forget what you said. Oh, I got a case of wine somewhere else. I said, you said, is that yours? I said, no, I got a case out in the car or something just to mess with you. <laughs> but I was like, okay. <laughs> but we do buy wine for our communion on Monday nights. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's kosher wine. Yeah. Man, it's Chef, it's kosher wine. You know, speaking about that, we have a, uh, we have a friend oh, that nice. loves to cook. And so I think she had to pick up something to put in a meal, you know, some of the recipes, you have to put something in it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just thinking about that because, you know, based on what you all were talking about, somebody just seeing somebody buy liquor or beer or whatever. And I just thought about that. You know, I remember us talking about it. She was like, you know, whatever, you know, I'm buying this because I'm cooking it off and putting it in a meal. She like to try recipes or whatever. But it just made me think about that. You know, you would look and, you know, people would say, oh, this deaconess or deacon mm-hmm. so-and-so, you know. Right. And um, she was just buying it to put in a recipe, you know, whatever it is. I can't re- remember it right I now. Burgundy, that's what I make. <laughs> <laughs> she sent me to the store to get burgundy wine to make beef, beef burgundy. And they don't have any little bottles. I had to buy a gallon. Oh. Oh. And I, I, I got it in the car. I got it in the car. And I'm walking out the car, and, and the assistant pastor is standing there looking in my car. And I'm looking at him thinking, 
I'm not even going to tell you. You can take what you want to think. I'm not telling you. I'm the type too. I'm like, whatever. Just let your imagination hold me there. Well, it's plus, you know, I'm cooking for everybody that comes to our house. Right. So that was probably years worth of beef burgundy. Yeah, you never know what people are doing, you know. Yeah. You know. Right. It's a point to judge. I with a gallon of that wine, and you see his eyes. He's like, I got you now. Because nobody drinks burgundy. Let's be real. Yeah. But I figured of all things to happen, you know. Of course. The timing is crazy. That's just a devil, isn't it? It's a setup. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Right. But now, now as we look at this, the next question is: How do we pattern ourselves after David? So when we are greatly distressed and people around us are talking of doing things to us or retribution, that we respond the way he did. How do we, how do we put ourselves in that, that position? How do we build ourselves up? Pray in tongues. <laughs> Something works for me. All right. Trust God. Jude 20. All right, let's go here. Jude 20. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many pages is Jude? About four? Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to flip a page and miss it. I'm going to start at verse 17. All right. Now, again, this is Jude talking here. It says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions which were made by the apostles, the special messengers of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. They told you beforehand in the last days, in the end of time, there will be scoffers who seek to gratify their own unholy desires, following after their own ungodly passions. It is these who are agitators, setting up dissensions and causing divisions, merely sensual creatures, carnal, worldly-minded people, devoid of the Holy Spirit and destitute of any higher spiritual life. So this is the climate, right? This is mm -hmm. carnal society, right? So if you're in the midst of this, then the natural temptation is that your, your flesh is going to be pricked by scoffers, agitators, they call agitators. But look at verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. So now you notice, right, with David, he went and got the ephod. So he put himself in that position, posturing putting on the priestly garments. So we see here, 
how do we build ourselves up? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It is it is a way for us to be in a position where the Holy Spirit is 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 given room to activate and take control in those situations where there's something that comes out of the blue or just some some type of adversity that's putting a lot of pressure on your soul. Because without this building up, without this, then your soul is eventually it's going to crumble under the pressure, under the, under stress. Verse 21 says, guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which will bring you unto life eternal. And, you know, Proverbs says what? Guard your heart with all diligence. Mm -hmm. For out of it flows the issues of life. And it's funny, the second half of this verse says, keep guard and keep your, yourselves in the love of God. Now, why is this important? Why is he saying specifically, keep yourselves in the love of God? Well, the opposite of that would certainly just open the door to the enemy. You're not going to be able to expect a good outcome. You're not walking in love. Kind of makes me think too, keep yourselves in love. So I thought, you know, David made stupid choices sometimes, but he always ended up back to God. He always turned back and I go, he knew where home was. He knew, you know, the relationship he had with God, he always knew where home was. He knew he could go home. He knew he could go to God. It just made me think that like us, you know, we made, we were growing up stupid choices. Even as adults, if we like, what the heck with my family, blah, blah, blah. I don't want anything to do with them. You run. And you really, you know, you know they love you. You know your mom and dad, mom and or dad, whatever, whoever you grew up with, you know they love you and you can go home. And you know you're always going to be able to go to them. And I go, it's kind of out of that with David, too. That's good. That's good. Because, and I'm, I'm looking at this, and it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, you think about the characteristics of love. You think about God's nature, right? Now, that circumstance that David is facing is, is challenging the reality of that. So in order to keep myself, to guard myself, then God's love for me has to be the reality that I'm, I'm resting in. Because if I truly believe, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, God is manifesting that towards me, then that's going to empower me Mm -hmm. to be able to stand in the midst of situations like that. When when, when everything is looking contrary on the outside, but without that revelation, then your your ears are going to be open to other opinions. You know, even if you if you have a works based type of a relationship with God, right, or, or that's that's your theology, 
it's opening up the door for, for, for fear and doubt and unbelief. Because when that adversity hits, it's like, okay, God, I missed it. Well, well I'm, I'm missing it, right? I, I didn't, I didn't, I knew I should have went to that Sunday school meeting. This, this is happening because I, I missed that. I shorted my ties five dollars. That's why this happened, right? And then you get in this performance condemnation trap. You never get out of that. And and that can go that can go left a few different ways. Because I know all of us know people who have gotten embittered with the whole idea of religion and church because they they were put on that performance wheel. If you're trying to be perfect, you find that real quick. You can't be. <laughs> you know? Right. And the crazy thing about that is, it's like, you know, me making mistakes, you making mistakes is just further evidence of our need for him. I'm like, I'm not perfect. I ain't never going to be. That's why I need that blood to cover me, cleanse me. And that's why that that's why the, the news is so good. Just thinking, David was sitting over there, and you're talking to him, and you say, uh, "Hey, dude, how you doing? How's the wife? Wasn't she married before?" He said, "Yeah, but I had her. I had her husband killed." <laughs> how would you think? Uh, uh, maybe we need to have a meeting somewhere else. How <laughs> do we explain this? Right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, that he had to overcome that, so he went. He went through terrible time. Yeah. I mean, just the way he said that is like, dang, is this David or is the Godfather here? Yeah, really? Mm -hmm. He just had his guy knocked off. Yeah. Right? Did you love God, though? Yeah. yeah. Right. But he he really did. Mm -hmm. he, he really did. If he's a man after God's own heart, there's hope for all of us. That's right. That's what I got to say. That's right. There's hope. That's right. You know, <clears throat> if we're able to remain in God's love, that in Romans... It talks about that reminds us also that you know whether tribulation or persecution or whatever, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. So keeping ourselves in the love of God makes all that more important. As those thoughts, because persecutions are going to come sometimes, whether it be you know through somebody or just Satan himself. Remaining in that love knows, reminds us that you're going to get past that. Just hold on. Yeah. And persecutions all over the world right now. We get we get a magazine called Voice of the Martyrs, and in one page they have six little kids. None of the oldest one can't be twelve that were thrown out of their house for becoming Christians. These are little kids. Their parents just threw them out because they're Islamic. And then they, they found homes for him. But can you imagine throwing your eight or nine year old out of the house? I can't. No. You know? They're so indoctrinated. It's mm -hmm. true that their own light and natural instinct as a parent. Mm -hmm. But again, and one guy, everybody loved him until he converted. <clears throat> and then uh, he was he was kind of a farmer. And they lived off the animals that they had. And the Muslims came, killed every animal they had, tore up all their crops out of the ground. So if they stayed there, they would starve to death, and they had to leave the country and go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. 
And those are obvious persecutions. Yeah, and these people aren't turning nope. their back on the Lord and saying, well, I'll just become Islamic. I mean, they're ready to die. And some that I think we were kind of talking about, some that are less obvious are, you know, you're a Christian, you're going to still make mistakes. So when you make a mistake, mm -hmm. you get persecuted for that too as well. Because we're never, you know, Christians aren't about not, they're somebody who is just in Christ and whose sins have been bought and paid for. And so making a mistake, if someone comes down on you, you know, partially, that's a form of persecution as well. Because your sins, your mistakes, they have all been bought and paid for. So you're still persecuted. I, I think sometimes we don't look at that as persecutions because we think, oh, man, I made a mistake. I, you know, but really, you know, it's going to happen. You know, as long as we're living in this flesh, we're, we're going to make mistakes. And we're just to keep on going. Yeah, and, and when you were talking, I'm thinking about, I'm going back to that example that I was thinking about with, you know, when Paul talks about the body, you know, and when, when we are operating in the love of God and other people around us, they, they fall, people, you know, are other members of the body, when we're functioning properly, it functions like the body does naturally when there's a wound. What does the body do? It try it, it works to heal itself. Just like if you get a cut, it's going to start to clot, and then that scab is going to develop mm -hmm. in order to get that wound to heal so there's no further infection that gets in. But when we 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 not in walking in the love of God, it's like having an uh, autoimmune dude disease mm -hmm. where the body is 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 in a place where it's attacking itself and that's what the enemy wants to see because that's the type of that's the picture he wants to paint to the world that the body is a it is a it is hypocritical it's not that there's no real there's no love there it's just people masquerading Let's go to Romans 8 since Kevin mentioned it. Romans 8, and we'll start at. Let's go here and start verse 28. All right. Let me read this. Uh, Let's, let's do the Amplify. We are sure to know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness 
that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Right? So that's every believer's destiny right there. Mm -hmm. the, the ultimate will of God. 30 says, and those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Oh, let me pause. He justified. And look, he says he quit, acquitted, made righteous, putting them in right standing with himself. A way to keep ourselves in a place of humility is never forgetting that. Because every, every human being has a sin debt. You're born with the debt. But the difference between us is ours have been discharged. We've accepted the, the payment for yeah. it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. 31 says, what then shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Now, tell me David didn't believe this. Yeah. 32. And he who did not withhold or spare even his own son, and gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies? That is, who puts us in right relation to, to himself? Who shall come forward and accuse and impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us? Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead? Who is at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity or, or and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? Even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain surpassing victory through him who loved us. Now, see, Gene was giving an example, like the type of persecution that our, our brothers and sisters are going through around the world, right? Now, in order for them to do to stand strong, to stand this revelation right here strong in them. This guy said when they come to him, when, when they convert, the first thing he does is tell them, Are you prepared to die? You you you've got to be prepared to die because your life is going to be threatened. And if if that's going to turn you, there's no sense. You need to be prepared from now on. He said they had a bunch of uh terrorists come in the congregation and uh 
that surrounded him with guns inside the inside. And he, he said he was just asking God what to do. And he said they started singing, the whole congregation. And Terrence left. They didn't like it. You know? Wow. <laughs> That's great. Wow. But that took guts. They're, yeah. stand, they're standing there with their with their guns, and those guys start singing. Right. But they were all ready to be martyred, I think. Mm. I just thought of it again. Like I said, it used to scare the ZZ's out of me. When I would hear, you know, the scripture about like if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. I'm not making fun, but it's the way we had it taught. It was so fear driven. It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to hell, you know. I was like, and it was just like it was one of the scriptures. I couldn't. I kind of had to not like put it away, just shelf it for a while. Like I don't know what. I don't have to think of this right. God, you're going to help me. And then I thought about like saying God brought a movie to my mind, and it was a woman. She had um said it's a long time ago here, but anyways, in the movie she was going to have to. Basically denied she was in love with this man. He told her, he goes, for your protection, you're going to have to, you must be like, you never knew me. And she's like, I'd rather cut my heart out on my chest, you know. And he goes, and he just he hugged her. He's like, he didn't want her to get hurt. I go, that's what it's about. You know, it wasn't about being threatened. It was about, you know, it's for that, just a side note. They were saying about it's about you love God. You realize his love so much that nothing else matters to you. I mean, you know, as much as that. And you're willing to go, like, they deny Jesus. No. Did you, Jesus ever, did you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Pieces of it. They have a book of, of, of descriptions when they were martyring people. Yeah. And the one guy had uh, he had signed the paper where he disavowed Christ a couple of years before. Well, then he converted back again, and he was repentant. And they came this time and said, "You need you need to turn away from this, or we're going to burn you at the stake." And it, they put him to the stake, and they put all the sticks around him. And the hand that he signed that with three years earlier, he pulled it out from the ropes and he held it over the flame until it fell off because he felt that his hand that betrayed him. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's how much, I can't think of his name, but it's in Fox's Book of Martyrs. Yeah. Wow. And some of those guys, while they were burning to death, they were singing. And the people that were watching would convert right on the spot. Oh, yeah. Some of them, they jump right in, like the mm -hmm. ice water, you know, like they would like kill people. And they were just like, one would, I remember one day, like put a bunch of Christians, like 99 or 100 of them in like ice cold water to die. And then the Roman guards around his back, you know, after Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, after him, it was like one who got out, you know, and they denied their faith. But then one of the Roman guards got in there with them and started singing, you know. In, in the Colosseum, in the Colosseum, when they were killing Christians, that would happen. Yeah. 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 Now, just imagine the type of you know revelation that has to, that has to be in your heart to to respond like that. I'd be sitting there right there saying, "Lord, I need an anointing. I need it now, <laughs> right mm -hmm. now." Yeah. Was, I don't know if you can prepare for that ahead of time. I heard um, it was really something. Is the um, a father? His son is always to the side and said, "If you don't." And he was already being tortured, and he said, his, they brought a sign, they go, if you don't turn, we're going to kill him. Mm -hmm. And his the son was over there, I read the story, he's, the son was over there going, don't do it, don't do it, I'm going to be okay. He goes, if you don't, they kept threatening, he's going, we're going to kill him. They, they're going to you know, beat him to death, or whatever they did to him, and he said, don't. He was begging his father, please, no, he didn't, and they killed him right in front of him. Mm -hmm. He said he could. He didn't turn, and he knew God still was with him, and that son was good. 
It was hard, but he did. Some of those stories, I read a story. Baby, was a, please don't try. I read a story. There was a mother, a father, and two kids, and they, they were going through the same deal. And they were uh, digging a hole, put their bodies in. They're still alive. And the father said, we're all going to have dinner with the Lord tonight together, and we're going to be healthy And or before they were killed. But the father comforted all of them and said, we're all going to be together tonight having dinner with the Lord. And boom, 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 they were shot and thrown in a hole. But he wasn't, any, wasn't in his mind to turn. So. Takes a while. It does. Verse 38. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, no things impending and threatening, no things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's the anchor of our souls. Jesus our righteousness and the, the expression of God's love for us. You always think there's degrees of love that the Lord has, but you could say that to the, 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 the most vile criminal in the world right before he's ready to be executed. You can say, I am persuaded that neither life nor death or anything can separate you. The Lord is going to love you all through this. He's not going to be saved, but he's going to be loved. You know what I'm saying? For, for God so loved the world, right? It's amazing to think God's love is He loved He loved Hitler. It's past he amazing. Yes. The rapist down the street, He did, uh, of course, not want them to do what they did. Yeah, it's past amazing. It, it's it's yeah. it's a. Uh, wants them to know the best. That's why He came. He came really much like that more by the way. Right. Right. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. All right, so we back on just the idea of edification. All right. Okay, I'm going to read uh, a couple of points from the outline. And... This is Andrew talking about the ephod. He says, the ephod was a breastplate that the, pre the priest wore. And somehow or another, God could communicate through the stones that were on it. This would be comparable in our day to the word of God. God speaks to us through the word. And David encouraged, encouraged himself by going back to the word. Also, another benefit that I think a lot of Christians do not take advantage of is speaking in other tongues. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. And let's look at, I'll read verses 1 through 4. All right. In the New Living Translation, it says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also 
desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the, the ability to prophesy. If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others and encourages them and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Now, see, if I look at this with a, doc, uh, a denominational slant, mm-hmm. obviously I'm going to discredit the value of tongues, right? But if I look at this balanced, I just read it objectively, you see that it's not an either or here. It's an and also. They work in conjunction. I'm going to read verse 4 in the Amplified. It says, he who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. So edifies and improves himself. So now, in order for you to be in a position to build somebody else up, you need to be mm-hmm. built up too, right? So see how it works in conjunction. And, and, and just from a practical perspective, this is what can lead to a lot of church burnout. When you're in a position where you're just serving and serving and serving and serving, but you're not taking that time to build yourself up. Because eventually, just like a cup, it's going to run out yeah. if it don't get filled up again. But he who prophesies, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. Now, verse 5. Now, this is a controversial statement. Now, I wish that you might all speak in unknown tongues. As Paul said, I, I, I wish that all y'all spoke in tongues. But more especially, especially, I want you to prophesy. To be inspired to preach and interpret the divine will and purpose. He who prophesies also is inspired to preach and teach and is, is greater, more useful, and more important than he who speaks in unknown tongues, unless he should interpret what he says, so that the church may be edified and receive good from it. Now, this tongue that he's talking about, isn't this the tongue? For this is not personal tongue for edification. This is one of the spiritual gifts where you would edify the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's, right. Mm-hmm. That's good. Making that distinction in context. Yeah. That can confuse. It's true. Mm-hmm. Right. Because now in verse five, you hear him talking about how. In in an assembly, if you if you just blurt out in a tongue, right, then it's for people around you. 
it don't really mean nothing to them. Unless there's someone to interpret. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, unless there's an it, that unless that that unknown that tongue is a utterance that is meant to be interpreted yeah. in, in in an environment. And you know, all of us have been in services like that. Mm-hmm. Where you know it, and it kind of, and it, it usually happens pretty organically, because even the people could be, they could be worshiping and 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 praying in other tongues, but there's this one tongue that will become more prominent, mm-hmm. and then if everybody's kind of in agreement in the in the atmosphere, then the, the other the other people will come to a hush, yes. and then the utterance will finish. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else would interpret. Yes. So that way, yeah. so that yes. way, the the tongue is being used as a sign, and the prophecy is bringing the the, the edification to the body as a whole. So it's good to get this in context, right? So there's not this nitpicking of the scripture. To say no, you're not reading that right because X, Y, Z, and yada yada. Mm-hmm. But the, the the thing is, Paul is not he's not like trying to pigeonhole a specific spiritual gift to minimize one and do all this mm-hmm. stuff. Because the reality is, what we facing our own weaknesses and the and the enemy we face, we need all the spiritual gifts that they God has given us, mm-hmm. right? So we need to build up, get ourselves built up as much as possible, and use the the gift. In worship settings, so we can get that instruction. Because just like what David did when he got the ephod, he inquired of the Lord. And then he, once he got those instructions, what did he do? He obviously had to communicate those instructions to the people. Right? And now, just imagine if you were in that situation. Your wife, your kids, they gone. And the leader, you know, you see the, you know, you, you, you got all these emotions. And you see the leader stand up and declare, all right, the Lord says we are to pursue. Then that's going to help you to gird yourself up and, and build some hope. I know what I'd be saying. All right, dude, I'm going with you, but we, we better find them. We, we had better find them this time, you know? Yeah. Because you got so much emotion going on, and you're thinking, this guy's going to leave me off again, like he just did, you know, and then our families were all stolen. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you would have took a couple of rocks with you. Oh, man. <laughs> I was saving one for him. Yeah. I was saying, I'm, I'm, right? I'm going to follow you. I'm ready to die with you, but we better find them. You better be hearing God, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a guy arguing tongues one time, and he said, if you speak in an unknown tongue, it better be a known language, because in Acts 2, it was all known languages. And I'm going, man, no. And you go through these scriptures, but they don't, the people that are against it, you just can't talk to them. But the thing about that is, that's even silly anyway. Because if it, it it could be unknown to you, right? It's like right. Yeah, who who made you Google Translate? <laughs> because you wouldn't if, if if somebody was speaking some some obscure language from Bangladesh somewhere, 
And look, if you don't speak their language, how you gonna know what it is? It's unknown to you. But this guy was arguing and saying, it better be a known language that you're saying. Somebody better be there that can understand it or, or can't be God. And I thought, you people will do anything to get the supernatural out of the church. But that's the thing. It's like people, the judgment is just crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who are you? You are not the arbiter of all truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the brothers and sisters from my love out there, they even be listening somewhere on social media. It's like, they don't believe in tongues at all. I'm like, Hey, I know my personal testament. I know it rescued me, so that's me. That's why I know. That's one of the few few ways you have to edify yourself. Speaking in tongues. If you can build yourself up in your most holy faith. I say it a thousand times. I prayed in tongues before I read the word. I'm scared of the word still, but I prayed in tongues to help. So mm -hmm. there you go. The scripture is, is very clear here in two and in what we were just reading in chapter 14, 2 and 4, it says unknown tongues. So it says no one, no one understands it. But in 5, it says tongues. It doesn't say unknown. It says tongues. Now, a lot of these guys that are against that, they're, they're, Bible, they're Bible scholars. And they just jump right over that. They don't, you know, they jump right over it. It's like just praying the language God gave your people. Come on. That's it. <laughs> Make it simple. All right. And it just speaks to, you know, the, the carnal nature to critique, criticize, be fearful of what you don't understand. Mm -hmm. There are some denominations that anything that's supernatural is, is of the flesh or of the devil. Nothing in the church is supernatural. When you hear these preachers preach, you know, and nothing, nothing is it's all a trick or it's a scam or it's something else. And they just take God right out of their out of their meetings. Yeah, it's too bad. And it's tough because it's like, you know, we live in a time now where you, mm -hmm. you know, the enemy is supernatural. He, he's using supernatural forces Absolutely. against you, you know, against society. But you got to go to an intellectual church and get some dry doctrine yeah. as if we don't serve a supernatural God. Yeah, how are you gonna find that? That's tough. Natural stuff, supernatural. Well, they'll use the scriptures like you know, doing everything decently and in order, and twist it around. It's like, oh well, yeah, but there's a lot of things that says we're supposed to do. We just do them decently and in order. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we say, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to trample one on each of you know each person using them. It's like you need to be quiet because I'm talking. Just I used to go to church, and he would say. You people do it and let us decide whether it's decent and in order. He said, you don't hold back. You do what you think God's telling you. And we'll get a hold of you and talk to you and yeah, teach you. Yeah, and if you're off on the wrong path, we won't beat you up. We'll, we'll get you back on the right path. But don't be afraid. led by the Spirit, it will be. Anyway, this, this guy used to encourage everybody. said, don't be afraid to do what you think God's telling you to do. And there were some good things happening there. I mean, every now and then the enemy would pop mm -hmm. up through somebody. But it was handled nicely. And, yeah. and the Spirit of God was allowed to move. That's what happened in my little church. My father was healed. And it was important that lots of miracles and mm -hmm. lots of things happened because they let, you know, God to, you know, be centered. And they think, you know, supernatural. And they guided it and guarded it. It wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. Lots of things. Lots of it miracles. can't be perfect because he's got to use us. Yeah. So, you know, can't yeah. be perfect. 
Yeah, I mean, when you're learning how to ride a bike and mm -hmm. stuff, you yeah. can't. It's just the same thing. Learning means it's going to take some time. Yeah. Got to get practice on this. You know, that's pretty much now I hear the word learn. I'm like, oh, that's going to take some time and effort and figuring things out, you know. I think people get down on themselves when yeah, they, they don't understand that. Yeah, and they're like, oh, I can't do this. It's like, well, how many times have you done, tried? Like once, like, and they just have that negative mentality about themselves that, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, but they did it once. <laughs> like, of course you can't do it after one time. Nobody can, no matter what it is, ride a bike. Or walking like you cook spaghetti. Back in December, you got to remember, at the end of December, I couldn't walk from here to there. Yeah. Now I'm walking 1.6 miles. Mm -hmm. How? Oh, but I can't do that. One step at a time. I can't do that. One I can't do at that. At a time. Add a little each time and build mm -hmm. until you see your strength is built strong. And I had a terrible stroke, and in the last few weeks, my major deal, I can put my pants on without sitting down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Because I used to, if I stand up on one leg and try to pull on, I'd fall over. And and this, this past couple of weeks, I've been able to do it. I say, that's a, that's, that's a milestone. That's right. Yeah. You know, that's that's, that's something to, to say. Hey, I'm getting, like, oh, I'm no, getting better. This long? No, it's like, no, no, I'm thrilled. Every every day, it's a little tiny bit better. Yes. Awesome. And I'm praising God for it all the time. Yes. I see. Yeah, and then we just talk about look, just it giving examples of how you keeping yourself encouraged in the Lord, right? Thankfulness is a huge issue. The more thankful we are, the more Holy Spirit can work in us, the more, more we can receive from God. Gratitude is a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a big it, deal. Like when I was when I walked in some this has been summer, you know, it's been very hot. But every time I sometimes it's really weird. Every walk I was like a breeze, I go. I know that's you. <laughs> it's hot. I am sweating, but I said, I know it's you. I got my shade here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I said, thank you. I like, God, that's I like just talking to him. Mm -hmm. Thank you for every step like that. Mm -hmm. I was in the park one time walking, and I was saying, they that rise up on wings of eagle, they should, you know, not moving. I was singing that song, and an eagle landed 30 feet from me. Oh, wow. Sat on a limb. And I'm staring there looking at it saying, you're from God, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So you are really from God. And I'm, I'm making noise. And he wouldn't move. And I'm thinking, this is supernatural. You better get this in you, get this in you while you're here. And he was there for a good five minutes. I, I wasn't about to move, so he flew away. But it, it came, I'll see him day that, you know. Wait, and here he got wait on the Lord. And he came there and I waited. <laughs> and, but it was I know it was a God thing. Cause I, how many people ever have an eagle land that close to him and sit there and watch it? That's the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's neat. That's cool. That's good. All right, I'm going to close with the last few, few points from the outline. The rest of the story goes that David took leadership of his men. They submitted to him. He pursued the Amalekites, caught them off guard, and completely destroyed them. David and his men got back every woman, every child, and all of their livestock. They didn't lose a single life. Plus, they got all the spoils of the Amalekites. Mm -hmm. So they got their stuff, and then they got the stuff from the other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the way God recompenses 
more than you lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, ask Job. Mm -hmm. Then in just hours after this, he got news that Saul had been killed in battle and David was crowned king. Mm. So after 13 years, mm -hmm. and when things were at their worst, David encouraged himself and the Lord, and that's when he saw the breakthrough. So when he went and kicked butt, took names, and got crowned king. Yeah. So you might be <laughs> contemplating quitting, but it's like what Peter said. Where else can we go? Mm -hmm. You have the words of life. The other thing I like that David did when the 200 men who stayed with the baggage, David said, no, they'll get equal compensation as those that went out. Because they didn't quit because they were they, they couldn't do it. Exactly. They were wore out. They couldn't go any further. Exactly. But that also speaks to me like for those of us who aren't necessarily out on the mission field doing those things, we're supporting those people. So you get we reap the rewards right, of what they're right, doing. Right. Right. That's good. Mm -hmm. And again, that's looking at it from a holistic, systematic perspective. Like every every body part has a function. Yep. And you know, there's no one body part that is more important than the other mm -hmm. one. Every all of us need each other to function well. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, what good is an eyeball if you if you, your heart is not working? Mm -hmm. And what good is a hand if your foot can't, mm -hmm. it's, it's not working, right? Well, you, what's the good of having good pecs when your, mm -hmm. your, your fingers don't have any feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It's all necessary. All right, social media family, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night.